people say let's get buried six feet under. But what if you don't bury them the full six feet? And they're really gonna know. They'd be like, I'm kind of done digging this hole. Let's just say it's six feet and it'll just be done. And you should know. Uh, okay, and the other thing is um, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada. You know, a lot of people don't like this guy, but say, oh man, this Trudeau guy, he can kiss my ass. And then you start to say, well, I'm glad that he may kiss my ass, but I'm really glad he's not Prime Minister of Okay, I'm glad we're not talking about a French Canadian. Trudeau can kiss my ass. I'm just glad he's not a French Canadian. There you go. So that was uh, my way of saying that I wanted to write things down. There's a couple, four or five things that I didn't write down and I forgot about them. So now I'm just doing it this way. Because I don't have a pen and paper and I don't feel like taking my time to type all this in. I have to get my work done. So. Let's check that out. I think it's probably really distorted because of my headphones. Okay, so we like to do this a little bit more clear. I did what I normally do when I have this uh, distortion from my headphones. There's just something about how a piece of it came off and so it makes a crunching kind of a sound when I'm recording. So I just push the plastic cover off, which I had secured with some tape, so even though there's a crunching sound, but that's because I'm putting something crunchy up onto the shelf. Vanilla sandwich cookies. I used to always have these when I was a kid. We don't have them at my house, but that's okay. My kids aren't missing out. Although it would be probably healthier than some of the things we eat. Okay, so anyway, um, the jokes had something to do with it. was uh, Mark Norman, he's on Jim and Sam last, uh, this week, talking about how he met Jerry Seinfeld. And he was he missed a couple of his other sets because Jerry wanted to talk to him and you know, hang out. And so Mark Norman was feeling really good about himself, and he listened to, he stayed, and Jerry stayed at the club they were at, because Jerry had a set later that evening, so Mark Norman sat and and listened to Jerry's set, and of course Jerry was doing really great, except for this one spot where he was apparently trying out some new material, something about a graveyard, and Mark Norman was being all cocky, and he saw Jerry on the way out, and he was getting to a cab or Uber or something. And he said, oh, hey, Jerry, it was, it was nice talking with you, nice meeting you. And by the way, I have something for that graveyard day if you want to uh, get in touch with me or something. Um, and then later on that evening, I think Jerry actually texted him and said, so what do you got on that graveyard day? And Mark Norman really didn't have anything. I just, I don't know why he said that. He's a dumb, he's a dumb ass. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I think Jim Norton has been thinking about it, and Mark Norman has been thinking about it, and probably Sam Roberts has been thinking about it, and 
uh, the other dude, dude from Mondays with stories, Tuesdays with stories, Mark Norman and, and whoever you guys have show with, I forget the guy's name. But I was thinking, okay, well, how about this? There's the two grave diggers and they're digging the grave, you know, because that's what we all imagine is going on. Is that it's not like they bring a backhoe and they, they dig the hole in like three seconds and it's 12 feet deep. But we're picturing two grave diggers with shovels and they're digging. They're like, all right, this is kind of, I'm kind of over this. Um, I'm kind of over this and I, I, I don't want to dig anymore. We've got about four feet. Let's just call it a day. Like, really, who's going to know? So that's kind of just all I got about that joke. It's like, the grave diggers are, like, they're digging this hole for somebody. It's not like that guy's going to know if they don't do a hole six feet or 12 feet. It's like a, you know, three fifty, four feet. Who's going to know? And then uh, the other thing that came to mind was uh, my friend Steve, who's Canadian, he said, you can kiss my ass, I'm French-Canadian, but I was thinking, yeah, you can kiss my ass, but I don't want you to kiss my ass if you're a French-Canadian. Yeah, it's actually kind of better than what I originally said, so Justin Trudeau is a dude that people don't like very much, and um, we should say... Justin Trudeau can kiss my ass. I'm just glad he's not a French Canadian. So, it's disgusting, of course, but I'm a disgusting person. And there you have it. Um, I guess I can, oh, shit. I'll take some of you guys on what's going on. Uh, Board of Nursing is uh, kind of just terrible people, and I can imagine what's going to happen in the, uh, 95 days or so when I finally get a chance to speak my piece and talk to these guys. Um, uh, because they have everything that they need to make a decision, and my wife and I both talked about it was going to mean that they were going to make a decision within 30 days of that, and that was in June, in early June, and uh, thank God I had somebody at the Board of Nursing that I could call and ask and call and call and call and leave messages and try and get some information from, There's somebody who was, you know, kept getting, I kept getting uh, referred to this guy who's in charge at this moment over me, well, I got in touch with the guy and he said, well, it's not going to, nothing's going to happen, and they didn't, they didn't talk about your case, yes, they met in June, uh, May, and they meet every two months, so they're going to meet in July, and they probably won't get to my case in July, and we can hope for... So, I'm stuck once again. Having deja vu right now. It gives me a good feeling that this is all going to be resolved at some point. I'm going to get my ability to work again. It's just really dragging me down. Um, I 
feel like I've got not much left in this tank. I texted my sponsor last night that I was just feeling kind of blah. You know, all I got is blah. I feel great. But I'm still at the point where it's like, you know, I can't, can't go out there and tell somebody that I'm depressed, that I feel sad, that I'm unhappy. I can't go there because I have to keep this shit-eating grin on for indefinitely. I have to just keep pretending that I'm okay, kids are okay, everything's okay, that we have enough money, that we have a president who's not ruining the world. Jesus Christ. He wants us to die, and he just, he's ruining everything. He's, he just wants him to be done. Just go away. He has to take everything that is, like, trying, we're trying to make the world a better place. And he is just about getting money from fossil fuels and from business deals for himself, for his family, and for his friends. He doesn't care about anybody else in this country. It's all just a game to him. I don't even know why he cares to keep going on. Everybody hates him so much because he's still going along with it. He's still playing the game, and he's, he is killing us. He's killing He's getting away with... Pretty soon, he's going to start murdering people. He's going to get away with that. And it's just unbelievable, this guy. He's just a horrible person. And I really want his presidency to be done. I don't want anything bad to happen to him, God forbid. But... I just needs to go. I just want a real president, please. Somebody who cares about people. Who cares about somebody other than himself and their family and their wealthy friends? Just unbelievable. Okay, so I said it like three or four or five times, so I'm just gonna stop there. <sighs> Talking about the board a little bit more, and that is. I lay awake at night thinking about what it is I am going to say to them. I have a chance. You know, what is it that they want to hear? They want to hear me say I'm sorry? Well, that's what they're going to hear. They're going to hear me say I'm sorry. And apologize to them like I did something to them. I don't do anything to them. I am sorry that they have to deal with fuckers like me who fuck up. Like, imagine when the Arizona State Board of Nursing was first, you know, assembled. Did they have this shit in mind that they were going to be dealing with hundreds and hundreds of drug-addicted nurses, alcohol-addicted nurses, and just have to keep just every, every two months meet and try and go over information regarding nurses who may or may not be a danger to the public? That's not... That's not what they want to do. I mean, they get paid well enough, I'm sure, for doing that. But they'd rather be, you know, celebrating nursing. Um, you know, talking about innovations in nursing. Being involved in the advancement of nursing. Especially in Arizona. We have so much potential to 
improve nursing. Even when I was working as a nurse, I got involved in committee after committee after committee, and we all wanted to improve things. We always wanted to improve things. Constantly wanted to improve things. And we wanted to do that through evidence-based research, evidence-based practice, evidence-based everything. It was great. And that's the way nursing is in Arizona, but it'd be a lot easier to accomplish if we could just have nurses that we could help support you behind the trust. It's the most trusted profession in the world, I guess, but, you know, I don't think that's founded in reality. It's just a perception. So, you want to hear me say I'm sorry, and I will say I'm sorry. Sorry that they got to deal with me. Um, they wanted to hear that the issues that led to my getting in the situation are resolved, and I mean, I'm pretty damn sure I can convince them that they are. Um, I don't use anything, ever. I mean, I can easily say that I haven't even seen an orthotic in over five years. Five years. Um, I don't drink. I haven't, I haven't seen a narcotic in five years. I haven't had a drop of alcohol. I haven't had a cup of smoke. I mean, uh, I'll take the ibuprofen if I, if I need to, but even that is super rare. I don't, I don't want anything to do with drugs if I can avoid it. I really don't. And the other thing is that I've been, thankfully, I've been in IOP, which is something that I needed. Um, I needed to take three years off. I didn't need to take five years off, and I didn't need to be shunned by the U.S. government. That wasn't helpful. But they probably don't want to hear that. That is irrelevant to them, I'm sure. But, okay, I needed to take three years off, and regroup and take a breath and find out what's going on with myself and recover. And so I did take those three years and I did rehabilitate myself through IOP, through aftercare services, through meetings and being with my sponsor and my home group. You know, it became very clear to me that, you know, ironically, when I was in the hospital in a clinical setting, and I decided to be curious and use drugs. <clears throat> and I got to a, quickly to a point where I thought, well, it's my destiny. You know, I, I have a father who is a functional alcoholic. You know, and it is my destiny. And my grandfather who smoked, constantly smoking cigarettes, couldn't quit. Um, another grandfather who smoked, grandmother who smoked. A lot of substances going on in my life, and so I felt like it was my destiny to, to be a user of substances. So, you know, that's the excuse that I made up in my mind that almost made 
made it okay for me to be curious and take those drugs. But the truth is, my destiny was not to use drugs. My destiny was to get into recovery. My destiny was to meet these people in my home group, to meet other people who struggle, because they've shown me everything that I need to know to be a better person. I'm very thankful that I had the opportunity to get involved with recovery. I'm accustomed to it and happy to do it. It's my lifestyle now, and I can easily say that I love my life the way it is without drugs. I like it this way. Unfortunately, I've had in my life, on more than one occasion, somebody get right up in my face and tell me to go and I didn't listen. And I didn't listen. Until it was too And somehow I knew that that was the way it was going to go down. That I was going to, I wasn't going to grow up, I wasn't going to be responsible, even though I was um, a husband and a father and a provider. I still didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to face the fact that I'm not a child anymore. And that I'm different from everybody else. But, like a lot of lessons in my life, this is one that I learned the hard way. Okay, so they want to hear that those are the things that's the thing. Well, actually, okay. The, the answer to how my uh, how the situation that I found myself in is resolved at this point is three-parter. It's a three-part answer, and the first part is that is that I've learned through IOP, through aftercare, through uh, 12 steps, caduceus, even uh, nurse recovery group, um, reaching out to other nurses, reaching out to people who are involved in the therapeutic world, my sponsor, my support system, all that stuff that was very necessary. That is how I learned that you know, this is the way to go. That recovery is, is the way to go, and that's my life now, and I'm happy with that. But along the lines, what I discovered was that I have lost the right to use because I have demonstrated that I cannot use responsibly. Some people can. Some people can. Some people can have a glass of wine at dinner, you know, every night. Uh, some people can smoke a cigarette before bed or something, you know, once a day. I knew an oncologist who smoked one cigarette a day. Um, I can't. I cannot do it responsibly. And that is just the way it is, and I know that for a fact. So, the other two parts, um, part B is... A little bit long-winded, and I'll just say that it's this. That part B is I could have signed the paper 
to agree to a stipulated agreement in 2014, but as some of you might have seen in the documentation, I had I just I made a bad choice. I, I didn't understand what was going on, and I was afraid of how I was going to pay for rehab. Well, a couple of hundred thousand dollars in lost wages later, I, I do realize that that was a mistake, but. The reason, one of the reasons why I felt like it was necessary for me to do that was because I really needed a break from myself to just understand what the hell was going on. You know, I was messed up, very messed up. Caramel coffee cake. That's not the right number. Okay, so I was messed up and I needed to spin out. Unfortunately, what I got was instead of three years, I'm here almost five years later. And um, I did get my, I did get shunned basically by the government. So I didn't need that for sure. I would have liked to very much too. But, okay, so I could have been done with all this a long time ago, and it would have been a lot easier. And that's that's the thing. That's the part of this. That's the part of this part of the answer is that I'm not going to reoffend because I am not willing to put myself through the hard parts. what I've had to go through over the last four and a half years. I mean, I'm happy to go through the rehab, the recovery, the, the meetings, and, and everything like that, but there are some really tough aspects of what I've gone through. Tough times. Not being able to provide for my family. Not, not having an identity. Um, having to work the graveyard shift at a grocery store, making a third of the money that I made as a nurse. So I'm working three times as fireman, making a third of the income. And then the last part of, of the answer is, yeah, I don't want to put myself through that, but I don't want to put my wife or my kids, my innocent children, through that again. I'm not willing to put myself, my wife, and my kids the hard times that we've had to go through over the last four and a half years. Hard on that.
I don't think there's a really good reason for it. There's no real good reason for it. Oh, I'm still talking. Sorry. Um, gosh, I just went completely in my own mind thinking about um, my doctor saying that, well, that I imagine the board members asking me uh, if I was ever going to or was it curiosity? Why Why would curiosity be a reason to do drugs? To steal drugs, they would probably say to steal drugs from your employer and, and put patients at risk. Don't forget that. And I would say that, well, I've always had a healthy respect and even a fear of narcotics. I, I never really thought I would get involved with narcotics until I came to a point where I felt like my life wasn't interesting enough. I'm not saying that I was bored, and I'm not saying that I was stressed out. I just, I just felt like I needed something to add to my, you know, because I was riding high in my career. Everything was going great. I was on top of the world, and... I think I just wanted something even more. I, I saw there were a lot of people dating around me, a lot of people um, enjoying life, um, and I could have easily done that. I just I wanted what they had, and I couldn't since I couldn't seem to have what they had. You know, I was comparing my outsides, my insides, to other people's outsides, which is a, a huge mistake. And that's just one of the tools that I that I have now that I use when I see myself trying to compare my my insides to other people's outsides. I know that um, you know I'm at risk of getting wrapped up in myself. And just it's, it's just it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy, and I don't need that. I I need to be happy with who I am, which I am. I'm happy with who I am. Um, but getting back to your question, do I have, I had a healthy respect for narcotics, and I, I didn't ever really want to get involved with narcotics. I had a feeling that they were pretty addictive. So I wanted something new. I thought I had the answer since marijuana was so popular among my patients that I would look into getting a medical marijuana card. My doctor was not going to, said he wouldn't prescribe that to me. I don't think he was capable of doing it. Um, but he said, if that's what you want to do, then just do it and don't tell anybody. Um, I asked my wife about it. She said no. She, she said the right thing, which was no. And so... I didn't, I wasn't getting what I wanted, so I thought I could just, um, try the drugs, see, the, see what goes on. You know, there was a lot of curiosity because 
that I often see patients um, just show that they have a willingness to do just about anything to obtain these drugs, even so much as to fake heart attack to get a dose of morphine, a piddly little dose of morphine, which really is a huge waste of time to do something like that. Giant waste of time. Even a waste of time, I feel like I'm wasting time. Not, not being efficient enough as it is. So that's how I got there. I, I wanted something a little different. I looked into getting a medical marijuana card, not because I was clinical anything. I, mean, I guess I had no indication to be prescribed medical marijuana, which is probably one of the reasons why my doctor didn't do it. But he wasn't wasn't on board with it. I don't know if he is now, but it just wasn't in his wheelhouse. So since I couldn't have that legally, I went with the curiosity factor and gave it a try. And that's that's all she does. Try that stuff, get hooked. Two doses later, man, it was over. Again, lesson learned the hard way. Drugs are addictive, especially for somebody who has, you know, a proclivity to addictive substances. You know, I, you can see in my history that I used to like to smoke cigarettes, but not anymore. Even that, I can't do it. Cannot do it. Okay, so. <clears throat> This, this little this little podcast is going on a long time, and I'm being a little quiet because Steve's nearby and he's listening, I think. So, we'll just pause for now. The, only, the reason why I don't like to pause is because I usually have a hard time getting back into the flow. So it's kind of like once I say what I want to say, and I pause... Then that's it, not a wine beer anymore. But we'll see. Okay, bye for now. So, oh my god, that was so goddamn crunchy the whole time. How annoying is that to listen to? It's because, yeah, I took the little cover off of my speaker because it causes that crunch. It sounds like I'm digging through a bag of chips or something. It's really annoying. And so I, it turns out I left a piece of tape that holds the cover on to the speaker. And that's the thing that really makes all the noise. So that was kind of a waste. Kind of a waste. So um, fortunately, I'm going to have to go through all of that again. I'm going to have to redo it. Um, I guess I could just say my, my answer is uh, through the IOP, 
the aftercare to work with the concept group and the cookies again. <sighs> um, uh, I've learned all the things that I needed to learn to improve myself. I am rehabilitated. I've learned that I cannot use substances. I have lost the right to use. This is country because it's stupid. Okay. Lost my right to use substances because I can't do them responsibly. Oh my god. And then part B is that I could have signed the stipulated agreement in 2014, but for a couple of that I wasn't prepared to do that. And um, severe knowledge deficit of what it is I needed to do at that moment. And I didn't do the right thing. It did need to sign off. But as you can tell, three years is now turned to almost five years. And I did get uh, my ass kicked by the federal government. So that I didn't need that. But you know, it's been hard. There have been very wonderful times where I've learned important lessons about myself and how to improve and how to rehabilitate myself. But I've had a lot of really tough times. So I would not want to put myself through the hard times that I've had to go through over the last four and a half years. And then finally the last part is I don't want to put my wife my three innocent children through the tough times that they have had to go through alongside of me over the last four and a half years. They don't deserve it. They deserve for the suffering. They deserve this to be over for them. They, they don't deserve to keep getting punished those are the answers to the question of, you know, how can I say, how do I, I mean, the plug in want me to prove everything, how can I prove, I can't prove the future, something I'm going to do in the future, can I? They would want me to. can't prove something that's going to happen in the future. That is my response to how I believe that the circumstances that led me to this point are resolved. Yeah. A little bit of uh, stage fright or whatever it is I used to call it going on. But there we go. I'm just gonna. I want to hear this because I 